Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. I'm Dave McNeil. Welcome to FIO on the Air. Today we've got Paul Sampson with us. Paul's the Regional Development Officer with a focus on tourism for the Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Cultural Industries. Paul, welcome. Thank you. It's it's the time of year that a lot of festival people are hunkered down, and if they haven't already submitted it, they're in the midst of getting their uh, Celebrate Ontario grant prepared. Uh, this year's grant, which was released sometime in December, uh, is due January 21st at 5 p.m., correct? Uh, very much so. I think people are now back from holidays. They spent a great time in vacation and so forth, and now they're hunkering down, like you said, in terms of focusing on preparing their applications with that deadline of uh, January 21st at 5. And the, the ministry has hosted several uh, workshops throughout the province. What, is, what has been the feedback you've gotten from some of those sessions? Uh, the feedback has been very, very positive. I think those webinars have been going quite a bit in detail in terms of uh, some of the information that is requested on, uh, on the part of the applicants in terms of the requirements for Celebrate. I think there was four webinars in English and a few in French um, in December, and I think our, uh, our regional development advisors in various areas of the province have also been doing several workshops uh, that uh, prospective applicants are able to attend and provide that valuable feedback in terms of preparing some quality applications. And similar to last year, it's a little bit later of a launch than normal. But are we hoping to have an announcement early March again? Um, is that the hope of the program? Yes, the timelines are most certainly spelt out in the application guide. Um, like I said, the deadline is January 21st. There's going to be a certain period of time for the evaluations to be made, and hopefully announcements are going to be uh, sometime in the spring. And while we're going to look forward on this Celebrate thing, just a, a little bit to look back and to remind people of last year. It was a, it was a delayed process, um, and I think it served as a, a good reminder for those people that you can't just constantly count on a grant to run your festival. Uh, very much so. Uh, Celebrate Ontario is a program geared uh, towards programming improvements uh, for, for festivals and events. Uh, that really want to attract visitation and new visits, increase tourism spend in a given community, establish those solid community partnerships. Um, but like I said last year as well, is that um, it's incremental improvements. Um, so most certainly it's there to help festivals and events um, to really think forward in terms of establishing those good programming improvements. But again, um, not to rely on that grant um, for, your own, for your existing operational costs. And I know when we talked last year, heading into the grant season, um, you know, we really encourage people to reach out to their regional um, development officers to get that assistance up front rather than wondering, why didn't I get the grant or why was, why was this program not accepted? Has that happened more this year with you guys? Uh, from talking uh, with my colleagues, most certainly um, some of them have been fielding quite a few calls. Um, I strongly encourage uh, festivals and events that are interested in applying to, to contact their regional development advisors, most certainly to look at the program requirements, but to discuss um, their programming improvements as well, um, to brainstorm as well. Um, our regional development advisors have um, a good number of years experience working with festivals and events in a capacity building um, side as well. And we can't forget about our northern development advisors for northern Ontario that are there as well um, to assist those festivals in northern Ontario. And part of your role, while it's helping with filling out the forms and answering questions that are necessary to do that, it's also at the back end when you find out whether you got your grant or you didn't get your grant you can provide some information on 
where they where they fell behind and and are, are people accessing that information from you guys uh yes very much so um there's an opportunity for a debrief in terms of uh, whether you've been successful or not successful as well so if you're not successful you can contact your regional development advisor who will be able to provide some feedback in terms of where you fell short in terms of some of the questions maybe some of the intent uh haven't met um, certain requirements and so forth but they're able to provide that debrief as well as that they're able to provide um some overall help in terms of festivals and events on the capacity building side as well. So maybe on the research, if you fell short on that, whether you fell short on terms of some of the requirements on the, that organizational capacity. Um, but yeah, most certainly they could add some, some very much some value added opportunities for you. And for those that are newer to the process, can you, can you speak a little to the, why was Celebrate it developed in the first place and what is the intent of the program? Um, well, really, it's, it's Celebrate Ontario. It's to support programming improvements for new and existing festivals um, that attract tourists for longer stays, create those great memorable experiences for the visitor, and, and to support communities across Ontario. And I think there's most certainly a series of, of uh, program objectives um, that, that applicants have to keep that in the back of their mind as well, is that uh, we're wanting those improvements to, to attract tourism visits and spending. Um, we want that strategy to grow the events attendance um, in that evidence-based rationale of why a prospective applicant or festival and event is going to be looking at those, in, uh, at those improvements. Um, this year, as last year, that strong community and regional economic uh, focus, most certainly. Um, again, um, really, really big this year on those uh, confirmed uh, tourism and business and community partnerships to strengthen those overnight stays and that broad community, economic community development focus. Um, that organizational uh, capacity and leadership to undertake and to, to make that, that uh, programming improvement successful. And uh, this year as well as that contributions to, uh, to rural, uh, to northern development, non-peak, uh, and maybe we'll touch that on that a little bit later, and francophone and indigenous programming as well. So again, the, the core of the program is to build tourism in your area, is to bring people to your event from outside of the 40-kilometer range. That is the big focus. Um, so again, it's, it's, I always say um, when working with festivals and events is try to put yourself in the shoes of, of a prospective visitor that's uh, more than 40K or 100K from your festival. And, and what type of improvement are you thinking of that's going to be I'm really getting that individual that's uh, beyond 40k to get to your festival and to enjoy that memorable experience. And we had a brief conversation before we started. That tourism, and, and, and sometimes our RTO partners and our DMO partners are really interested in those beds and heads and hotel stays, but from an event perspective and from a long-running event, um, you know, people bringing 10 or 20 people to their house for a weekend to engage in the Tulip Festival or a candidate ceremony in Ottawa or Oktoberfest in Kitchener. Those homestays can be captured and, and recorded in your reporting as well. As oh, well. I think very much so. I think it's, uh, it's understanding that that festival and event is the catalyst, meaning the tourism driver to get that person to, to possibly visit um, a friend or a relative. And while they're there, um, they're most certainly going to enjoy the festival and event, but possibly enjoy other ancillary uh, supporting attractions in that given community, whether it's a food and beverage establishment. It's all, about, it's all about capturing those stays, increasing that tourism spend in the community, even though possibly it won't inc include a roofed accommodation aspect to it. And, and quite often it helps get that homeowner engaged in the community and 
and and getting out to enjoy what they may not have otherwise that's so true and i always say to a festival and event is that you should always um, capture those those strong community economic be- benefits first um, you should make your local community your local population aware of what your festival and event is all about um, and most certainly from part of that marketing strategy is is to is to really um, make your local community aware that that festival and event is ongoing or taking place in a given weekend. So possibly, again, you can take advantage of, of those visiting friends and relatives that are visiting you in that given time. Last year we talked about one of the changes was that Celebrate used to have a multi-year component and it was going back towards the single year. Is that staying the same this year? Uh, yes, only single year application. So for example, you will be submitting an application for festivals and events that are taking place between April 1st, 20 and March 31st, 21, and only for one year. There's no more multi-year applications this year. Has there been any talk or look at breaking out the application process over the years so that there's two opportunities to apply? or? Um, hasn't been discussed at this point um, from from a regional development advisor is uh, we're tasked when the application cycle comes out and there's only that one intake um, we've been um, and I've been contacted on a few occasions whether there's good, could be an extension to the deadline and so forth but again it's steadfast January 21st at five o'clock again and um, whether there's going to be a few intakes it's most certainly hasn't been discussed on our part. Paul Sampson, Regional Development Officer for the Ministry of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Culture Industries is our guest. We're talking Celebrate 2020, back in just a moment on FEO on the Air. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the Air. Paul Sampson, the Regional Development Officer for Tourism from the Ministry of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Cultural Industries is our guest. We're talking Celebrate 2020, uh, which is due January 21st at 5 p.m. Paul, what are some of the uh, significant changes for this year's grant process? Um, I think what's new this year is uh, for those applicants that have been going through the application form, I think uh, the application form has been streamlined a little bit. I think there's a few questions less, but I think what's important to remember is that we're still asking for that, uh, for that same quality information within, uh, within the application form and the various questions. Um, what's new this year is uh, there's a focus for rural and northern Ontario events um, that grow attendance in those rural communities in northern Ontario as well, so I think that's important. Um, there's improvement to, to non-peak, so again, those festivals that are, are in non-peak uh, tourism season months um, in Ontario um, is something new this year, meaning that if your festival is between October 1st and May 31st, um, you can get some, some additional points. Um, events that encourage uh, francophone and indigenous event development is, is something uh, new this year as well, um, that you can get some additional points, most certainly. 
and new this year as well is Canada Day events. But what's imp really important to note is that uh, you have to have, a, for those Canada Day events, a minimum of uh, three hours of multicultural programming um, as well, or in addition to that, that, um, that thorough festival or complete festival and event that uh, requirements that you'll have to meet as well. And I'm interested in, in the off-market or the off-seasonal stuff. Is it strictly off-seasonal or is it off-seasonal from what you normally do? So, for example, you're a summer festival, uh, but you've now got a component that you want to run a winter component to it. Uh, well, I think if you're if you're um, if you have a fall festival and it straddles between peak and non-peak months, I think most certainly you can take advantage of those of those additional points. Um, but what we're trying to do, and I think what the ministry was trying to do here, is that in the summer months we have um, a number of festivals and events in the summer months, and uh, there's that capacity um, opportunity um, from those non-peak months that uh, we're trying to encourage festivals and events to uh, to possibly uh, start hosting uh, and establish those, those solid festivals to increase those tourism stays and those what we can call soft months. Funding formulas, how how do they work, and how do, how does that break down? Uh, funding formulas hasn't changed from last year, but uh, just to recap a little bit for those festivals and events that are interested in applying is that uh, you're eligible to, uh, to access up to 15% of your uh, previous year's operating expenses. So meaning that uh, if you uh, have a festival and event that had an operating budget in 2019 of let's say $100,000, you'd be able to, you'd be eligible for a maximum of 15% or 50% of your Celebrate Ontario project um, for your upcoming festival, whichever is less. Has that new formula, has that really helped define, rather than going uh, for festivals, going and trying to get the maximum dollars that are out there, has this helped people get in, keep it in line a little bit more? Or? Um, I think what we found last year is that there was a more of a realistic amount that festivals and events were applying for because, again, we're just trying to stay true in terms of what their operating budget was last year and not necessarily to apply that something that was really not realistic or really wasn't in that strategic growth mode for that festival and event. And really, again, um, when I work with festivals and events, it's I always caution that um, is try to view Celebrate Ontario as a strategic in, in investment instead of a grant, but um, we're ready and, and able to invest with you for those programming investments instead of working with festivals and events that um, I can basically say that they're chasing the money. So view Celebrate Ontario as a strategic investment uh, for those programming improvements to, uh, to grow your festival, that increased tourism stay, um, increased visitation, and those broader community economic development benefits. And has that new funding formula, has that enabled your organization to grant more grants or to get more money spread out across more organizations? Um, that's a tough one from a regional development advisor because I'm just not into, uh, into capturing in your, all of those stats. In your but zone. In my zone, I think most certainly, I think we, I, I, we had possibly a few additional applications and so forth. I think the level of funding that um, applicants were looking for relatively stayed the same. What about marketing dollars? How, how are they affected this year? As um, Prospective applicants, um, again, um, we, we strive for those programming improvements. Most certainly marketing initiatives are, are supported, but it's for those media buys and marketing buys that uh, are targeting individuals uh, that um, are in excess of 40 kilometers from, from your festival footprint. Um, so again, it is eligible. For those applicants that are only looking for Celebrate Ontario for only marketing buys, um, that's not eligible, but marketing should be a component of your overall ask. And last year, uh, the 
security costs, fencings, and etc. Those were eliminated from the process. Is that? It's not something that's eligible um, for Celebrate Ontario um, uh, support, but most certainly it could be eligible as part of the Celebrate Ontario project um, in submitting um, in submitting your your budget. Um, however, it's always trying to put yourself in the shoes of the visitor. Is that try to stay true in terms of those costs that are related to that programming improvement. And again, going back to the marketing in the, in the 40 kilometer radius, I think we had this discussion last year. You know, if your local radio station has a, an enormous reach, that doesn't matter. You want, you want that, those marketing dollars spent in other markets that are bringing people in. Yes, most certainly. So if you um, have a jazz festival in a given community and you're looking at doing that radio buy, well, hopefully you're looking at, at those radio stations and in the uh, in the GTA or in the uh, 401 corridor, like a London, or possibly um, on, in the uh, 401 corridor going towards uh, Ottawa in terms of looking at those stations or those media buying opportunities that are in excess of 40K. And the importance of partnerships and, and grant uh, writing, what... Talk to that about like partnering with your RTOs, your DMOs, your municipalities, your sponsor base. There's a lot of, of emphasis on, on building those partnerships this year. So for prospective applicants looking at the application guide, you'll see really two charts. One on, on tourism hospitality partnerships. So really those that um, are establishing offers, overnight stays, overnight packages with accommodators, uh, as well as um, your regional um, DMO. Um, whether it's an RTO, Regional Tourism Organization, your destination marketing organizations in terms of, again, establishing those partnerships in terms of what they can do for you, um, whether it's um, marketing opportunities, whether it's assisting you in terms of uh, on the research side, but what are those partnerships on the hospitality side, as well as most certainly those community partnerships as well. So uh, if you do have um, a, a possibly an important sponsor, if you've partnered with your your uh, downtown business improvement area that captures a number of retailers that could possibly offer some discounts uh, while festival patrons are attending your community to uh, to attend the festival uh, most certainly those are important and any other changes that you want to talk about before we get into drilling down on that application form and the importance of no, I think we pretty well touched on all of the important changes for Celebrate Ontario 2020 we're talking with Paul Sampson from the Ministry of Heritage, Sport, Tourism and Cultural Industries. We're talking about Celebrate Ontario and the 2020 program. Your applications are due Tuesday, January 21st by 5 p.m. Back in just a minute with Theo on the air. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. Theo on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to you on the air. Paul Sampson is our guest today, and we're talking Celebrate 2020. Paul, it, it's when you're writing out a grant, it's not something that you just walk into your office today and decide, oh, I better get that grant filled up. It, it's a process of collection, review, 
Can you speak to that? Uh, yes. Um, in working with festivals and events, um, and I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, is to view Celebrate Ontario as a strategic investment uh, to assist your festival in growing and so forth. So again, if you're a festival and event and you have a board of directors, is to really discuss within your board if Celebrate Ontario is a good fit. I think that's really important to overlook uh, the application guide to see, again, if it's something that we want to get into or you want to get into as a festival and event to have that broad discussion. And if you are, and if it's something that uh, Celebrate Ontario you think that could be a good fit in terms of helping your festival grow, is to really gather those materials that uh, are most certainly required to prepare um, a quality application. So for example, uh, do you have visitor statistics on your previous year's festival? That most certainly could help you fill out a couple of questions because again, we're looking for that evidence-based rationale of why you're doing an improvement. So if you think that you're gonna be adding a stage uh, or additional programming on that Saturday afternoon because you have a little bit of dead time or dead space within that Saturday afternoon programming. Well, again, why are you doing it? Why are you going after that, that particular market uh, or that particular geographic market or, or segment? Um, so again, what's going to fill that, that Saturday afternoon programming? So you have to have that evidence-based rationale that you'll be able to demonstrate to the evaluator that you've gone through a thought process, as well as most certainly to look at uh, where you've been getting your attendance figures previously and how do you capture that? What are your survey methods, um, the how and what and, and why you're doing it and how you're going to capture your 2020-21 uh, um, information in terms of filling out your performance metrics. So again, those layers of analysis that is just so important and I think that's the information that, um, that we want uh, festivals and events to go through that thought process to get that information ready to fill out the, a good quality application. And, and it's something to think about through the process too, like what, how are you going to capture the information that you require as the ministry uh, in your in your year-end wrap-up and uh, as you're doing surveys throughout the thing, you have to be asking the right questions to support the, the questions that you're putting forward. Very much so as well, and I can most certainly point out that there is a specific question um, that looks at um, what is your evaluation method uh, to evaluate one. Um, has your event been a success? Uh, has the programming improvement been a success? Um, and most certainly, um, as as your marketing um, emphasis been a success as well? And um, I always view in terms of evaluating a festival in terms of it's all about information gathering, analysis, and dissemination. So you're gathering information. So what are you gathering through surveys and so forth? You're analyzing the information, whether you're doing it as a small committee, uh, whether you have your committee chairs involved, whether you want to have your board involved in terms of analyzing that information, again, to determine whether it's been a success or where you fell short. And disseminating is that um, how you're going to disseminate that information to, uh, to your possibly your funders and how you're going to utilize that information to make your festival even bigger and better for next year in terms of whether you're going to be applying for a future grant, um, whether it's going to be Celebrate Ontario or some other form. And, and the important thing about Celebrate, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Celebrate is not just totally funding the program. There's a commitment from the organization to meet financial terms as well. Oh, very much so. It is based on, on a contribution on a part of, of the prospective applicant putting towards the Celebrate Ontario project, like I mentioned in terms of this, the, the, uh, the funding formula is that there's most certainly we do cover 50% of the Celebrate Ontario project. So we do require some commitment on the behalf of the applicant putting some, um, some dollars on, on the table as well to make this project a success. Last year there were some changes to the grant writers and, and how the ministry was going to deal with those. Are those the same rules in effect this year? And maybe you can speak to that for those that have been out of the process for a while and are back in looking for a Celebrate grant? 
yeah, we still re- there's still an opportunity for festivals and events to to look at grant writers to assist them if that's the decision that their board want to want to undertake. Hopefully, we've we've laid out a great process and a good clear process with the addition of, of, of additional webinars and and our regional development advisors to help prospective applicants. So whether they want to do it on their own, um, we're here um, as well from a regional advisor perspective to act as a great resource for them. Um, when it comes to uh, to grant writers or to third parties, is that in the application process, we you can't forget that we require the festival and event organizer to be the point of contact and not that third party, uh, whether it's a grant writer or uh, another third party firm that, that, that you have subcontracted to um, as a possible contact. We require that first contact to be somebody within the organization proper. And as always with filling out any forms, the devil is in the detail. I, I think people are so close to a project that they sometimes find it hard to articulate from you know, from pen to paper so that you understand it the way I understand it. Uh, that is so true in terms of looking at an application. That's why we always say gather your information. Um, you'll see within the questionnaires, um, in the questions, um, that there's a certain character count um, to, to stay true to. And there re- there's a reason why we have character counts on certain questions. And whether it's 2,000 or whether it's 4,900 for the project description is that... Uh, we want uh, prospective applicants to paint us a picture in terms of what that improvement is going to be this year in terms of all of the additional prompts. If I can pay attention or pay particular sort of emphasis on, on, the, on the prompts as well, as you're going through the application, there's a series of prompts within each of the questions. And there's a reason why those prompts are there is that we want that applicant to be addressing all of those prompts as they're answering the question. So again, it's to pay attention to those prompts, to pay attention to the character counts, uh, most certainly in terms of completing the question. Um, and important to note as well as app in filling in the application is that um, if you have a character count of a thousand characters, um, it stops after a thousand characters. Um, so if you haven't given us all of the answers that we need, um, I really suggest that you go back in terms of looking at the, at the answer that you've provided to make sure again that you've answered everything that the that the question um, entails. And, and that count is important because if you're asking for 4,900 characters, it doesn't matter how good an editor you are. 200 character answers probably not going to get you the detail and the information you require to make your decision. There's a reason why there's 4,900 characters in a project information is because we're asking for a substantial amount of information. Um, in instances too, festivals and events and prospective uh, applicants have, have difficulty staying true to 4,900 characters. So again, we always encourage um, prospective applicants to, to possibly look at somebody else within the organization to read the answers to go over the application um, because maybe they'll come at it from a different uh, from a different perspective to make sure that you've answered um, everything proper. Now we touched on it in the last segment but uh, talk about uh, highlighting partnerships and the importance of doing that in your application. Uh, well very much so in terms of those community economic benefits and, and partnerships there, there's, um, there's um, a, a strong weight attached to partnerships this year um, if I recall, um, and I'm trying to visualize the application as we're speaking here, I think there's two charts and one question. And to answer on partnerships, whether there's those tourism partnerships or community partnerships, but most certainly it's, it's to be very precise in terms of um, how those community partnerships are going to help you drive overnight stays, increase tourism benefit, and that broader community economic development aspect to it. To give you an example is that some festivals and events have an existing footprint. 
we really encourage uh, festival organizers to go beyond your festival footprint to establish those partnerships with the broader community to make sure again that uh, that there's a great impact of, of your festival in that broader community. And outside of the tourism partnerships that are important, speak to the sponsors and like the BIAs or the merchants in the area. Uh, yes, well again, like I mentioned, it's trying to, it's trying to extend those partnerships beyond the festival footprint. and. Uh, we're really wanting to increase that tourism spend in terms of whether it's your retail shop on your main street, your food and beverage establishments and so forth that may have an opportunity to showcase their wares while that festival is taking place in that given community. And we really strongly encourage your festival and event organizers to really start knocking on those doors um, in the broader community in terms of saying, hey, we do have a festival that's taking place on that weekend. How can we make your cash registers ring? How could we make um, those festival patrons come through your door and hopefully spend a little bit of money? And in reverse um, as well as now possibly you'll gain that, that important possibly partner, sponsor um, for your festival and event moving forward. Now throughout the process, the application process, um, different segments are adjudicated different ways. And you lay that out in the grant application form. Can you speak to those uh, adjudicating numbers and the importance of those? Well, in terms of the assessment criteria from, from the evaluator and from a Celebrate Ontario perspective is that uh, we do assess the current financial position, organizational capacity of, of the organization. So we do look at the financial statements. And really looking at the financial statement is to really gain on, on the financial health of the organization. And we do have uh, three questions that address that organizational capacity um, of the organization moving forward. Um, and we do have um, another segment um, which deals with project information, rationale and growth. Um, and we have seven questions that pertain to, to that segment. And I think that uh, represents about 25% of the overall scoring. Um, we do have a third segment dealing with performance measurement, impact, and marketing. And I think we have uh, uh, two questions or three questions and two charts um, here in terms of that, the metrics question in terms of, again, how many people are you attracting from, from what region in the province or um, international or Canadian or uh, et cetera. Um, we do have um, a marketing um, form to necessarily look at as well and, and a couple of additional questions. Um, we do have a fourth one and we've been discussing tourism and hospitality uh, partnerships as well as those community partnerships. And lastly, we do have the event budget and, and the Celebrate Ontario ask in terms of, uh, of uh, what to expect when filling out the application. Now naturally, our, our industry, we all talk to each other and we all compare, you know, what did you get, what did you get, what didn't you get. It's, it's really not that simple to compare my grant for my festival to your grant. Can you speak to some of those processes? Well, we do have, again, the criteria um, that's most certainly looked at um, uh, in terms of whether you've met certain thresholds within, um, within those existing categories that I previously mentioned and how they're weighted. Um, we do have this year, which is new, and I omitted to mention that in terms of the what's new section, that there's a minimum threshold of 55 this year. So if a festival and event scores lower than 55, most certainly they won't be eligible for funding. Not to mean that scoring 55 will, will guarantee you um, funding. Again, that's based on, on um, the funding of all of the festivals and events that are going to be applying um, and scoring of all of the festivals and events that are going to be applying to Celebrate Ontario. And after the process is complete, members can get in touch with their regional advisors and find out where, they, where their shortfalls were so that next year they can correct those or they can work towards submitting a better application? 
it's true. That's part of the ongoing mentorship of regional advisors that we do have with our festival and event community. Um, we are there as a resource. We are there to help you go through your application, whether you fell short in terms of whether, how, um, where you fell short, and possibly some opportunities in terms of strengthening your festival and event for next year, whether you'd be applying for Celebrate Ontario or not. But I think it's an important learning opportunity. And the website lays out very well how to get in touch with those people. Can you just remind everybody if, if they're having trouble finding their regional person, where they go to find that information? Well, all of our, uh, the grant mechanism is, is um, available through uh, Grants Ontario. Uh, I think it would be grants.gov.on.ca. Uh, and this year it's through Transfer Payment Ontario, which was formerly Grants Ontario. There's the uh, there's Celebrate Ontario as a glance. There's the complete application guide as well as the application form. Um, there's a listing of all of the regional development advisors in terms of the respective territories that uh, that uh, they're working with with festivals and events. And again, not to forget our regional development uh, advisors um, in Northern Ontario that are there for those Northern Ontario communities that are from the uh, from the districts of Perry Sound North. So everybody's got the grant in front of them. They're getting all the tools they need. Paul's got three tips that he's going to give to everybody preparing to write their grant. And those would be? Tips is that uh, we're only uh, one week and one day away. So hopefully people have started. Um, I always say to start immediately, but now I think it's, it's a good opportunity to, uh, to get pen to paper and to, uh, to start having your discussions with those uh, regional development advisors if you haven't already done so. Um, like I said, address all prompts um, in filling out the application, most certainly. Um, and I always one that uh, that I always say to to festivals and events is don't overpromise results. Stay true to who you are as a festival and event. Don't chase the money. Make sure that Celebrate Ontario is a program um, that could be there for you to uh, to strengthen your festival. Looking at programming improvements um, that will really. Um, attract additional visitors, increase that tourism stay, and really foster that greater community economic development partnership in your community. Paul Sampson, Regional Development Officer from the Ministry of Heritage, Sport, Tourism, and Cultural Industries has been our guest today on Theo on the Air. Paul, thank you very much for that information. Uh, we'll make sure to put uh, how to get in touch with you, where to look for your advisors on our site when we post the uh, this later today uh, and again thank you very much for the tips and uh, we look forward to another great festival year coming forward thank you again uh, much appreciated in terms of the opportunities to really showcase and highlight celebrate ontario some of the new attributes for 2020 and um, like you is um, i wish um, all of the celebrate ontario applicants um, good success for the upcoming season thank you very much if you're looking for some help reach out these people are there to help you uh, get your forms filled out don't forget, once again, your deadline is Tuesday, January 21st at 5 p.m. I'm Dave McNeil. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with FIO on the Air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the Air wants to give you what you need to succeed. 
Contact us now, dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca.